0: Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us.
1: Good morning again. Uh, my name is Hugh. Uh, I'd like to welcome those who are visiting here for the first time. Um, we uh, are currently going through the series of um, After God's Heart, A Life of King David. This is a nine-week series. We are currently in the week six of nine. Um, the series is about David having God's heart as he went through the different stages of his life. Uh, I'm going to take a quick minute, a few minutes to do a recap of the previous five weeks, and then we're going to go on to this week, which is David becoming king. Uh, we started out with uh, back in first uh, Samuel 16, when David was anointed as uh, a king by Samuel. And I think you know the story of David, all of us are pretty familiar with it so i 'm going to just going to give really quick uh, bullet points, and hopefully you guys will be able to follow uh, so David revealed uh, not David God revealed david 's destiny in front of his family, and he was immediately tested because for those who have siblings, you know that there 's nothing fiercer than sibling rivalry, especially, especially when you 're young and For those who are older, I mean how would you like that you see the little your youngest to be anointed as king, the future king of Israel, right in front of your eyes so um, you know, David was immediately tested. Uh, however, you know, we, Scripture didn't really say much about how he was treated, but we got a glimpse of that in um, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. You know, that was right before the battle of Goliath when David went to the front line and his older brother told him, Why have you come here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. So that gave us a really good glimpse in terms of what he had to grow up under. However, in the following week, which is the next stage, we learned that David was able to have peace and rest and he remained close to God through worship. We learned that David had a heart for worship because he loved God. Uh, and then after that, you know, we talked about David versus Goliath. We learned of, of David's love and his faith and his trust in God. It's, uh, it was so big that it overflowed onto all the other soldiers because I mean, if you guys read the story, if, if you were a, uh, an experienced warrior, why would you let this young boy who's never done a pretend fight with another warrior to represent you? Because as you may recall, when Goliath came forward to challenge the Israel, he said, send me a man, and if he, and we're going to fight. And if he's able to fight and kill me, this is First Samuel verse 17, verse 9. Chapter 17, verse 9. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become the subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So, you, you know, as, a, as an experienced warrior, you're going to let this little boy represent you because chances are he's going to get slaughtered and you're going to become slaves to your enemy, the Philistine. But his love and trust in God was so great that it overflowed onto all the other people and they trust and, and have faith in God through David. And then the stage after that, is, you know, we talked about David as a fugitive and friend. Uh, How we always seek God during the dry season, no matter how long that dry season was. He continued to press forward. His love and trust in God never wavered. Um, I'm echoing a little bit. Closer. Closer to my mouth. Hug it. Bend it. Okay. Okay. How's that? A little bit better? Uh, So then uh, after that, um, what were we? Fugitive and friend. So after that, we, we learned last week, Nate uh, shared about David's mighty man. It's an example of David's love for God. It was so powerful that it influenced the people around him. You know, these, these um, ordinary men, actually less than ordinary man, became extraordinary men because of David's influence and his love uh, for God that spilled out onto those people where they became heroes. And they became extraordinary heroes who will be remembered throughout history. I think that's what uh, Nate shared on last week, right? I wasn't here, so. I'm pretty sure that's what he shared on. Nate's not here? Okay. I can say whatever, right? Oh, oops, he's back there, sorry. Um, Anyway, so today, um, uh, I realize I joke a lot, so if I throw a joke here, in, or there, I'm sorry, for those who are visiting. Um, I do take this very seriously. It's not not because I don't. Um, So today, I want to share with you guys about David, who loved God with all of his heart the day that he became king of Israel. Um, it's going to be in Second Samuel chapter 5. For those of you who brought your Bible, um, you can turn to there. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip through this chapter a little bit because uh, due to the time constraint, I will not be able to go through this verse by verse. Um, I would strongly encourage you guys to read this this chapter and next chapter actually on, on David and how prepared he was and how ready, how ready he was for this day when the day of destiny came for him. Um, it's uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, when I was preparing for this and as, during the worship time and, and the word that came through, it just, I just felt like God is completely speaking into the things that I want to share today. And it's, it's, as I'm sitting here and I'm wondering whether I should actually change the whole thing around but I'm going to stick to it, and hopefully, you guys will see it—the way that God worked and He wants to speak to us—is it's somehow is always kind of go along with what He wants to tell us and what He wants to share and teach us. Um, but okay, so Second Samuel chapter five. We um, hang on before that. So Second Samuel chapter two, David became king of Judah, but that's not the same thing, right? King of Judah is not the same thing as king of Israel, so. Uh, he was not content with that. So roughly seven years, seven and a half years passed from Second uh, Samuel 2 to Second Samuel 5. Finally, all the elders in Israel came together to um, ask David to be king because they said in verse 2 that the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. That's, um, that's roughly 22 years from when David was anointed to be king until when he actually became king. That's a long time. You know, it's, uh, there's, nothing was written in here about how David reacted, but I think a lot of us would stand up and say, finally, finally you guys come to your senses. You know, finally you realize that this is the thing that I was meant to be. But none of those things had happened. Because David, his love for God and was steadfast. Whether things are going well or not going well, he continued to press in, um, just a quick comparison between David and Saul. The, you know, uh, so, so you guys may know this, Saul, he was anointed as king by Samuel by himself in private where David was, get, was done in front of his family. The description for Saul where he was a man, a head over taller than everyone else. You know, he's as, as handsome as any man in all of Israel. Whereas David was kind of like, you know, he's average, yeah, he's glowing with good health. Handsome features, fine appearances, but it was not as handsome as any man in all of Israel. And Saul's dad came from a family of standing, whereas David didn't come from anywhere. Um, but when Saul was um, selected as king, and the whole process itself, is you, you may or may not know this, is actually they were drawing straw to get to the tribe of Benjamin first. That's here, that was Saul's tribe. And then get to his clan and to his family and then to him. So they were drawing straw to get to Saul, to become king of Israel. Whereas for David, all the elders of Israel came together and said, David, be my king. Because David has always been steadfast, and they could see his love for God. And they want him to rule him and lead, lead them, rule them and lead them. Um, you know, it's, as I was saying, you know, it's not unreasonable to see David have a big celebration, have a feast. I probably would. I'm not David, but I probably would, you know, have a big celebration, make this all big announcement about finally, I'm finally going to become the king. But that's not what David did. Because of his love for God, he was ready. During the dry season, he was prepared for what he's going to do. So when the time came, he knew what he wanted to do next. Because as you move down in that chapter, he and his man went down to Jerusalem. Because in his mind, this is step number one. I'm gonna go down and take over the city and turn it into the city of David. This is where my kingdom's gonna get established. He knew that. And, you know, it, it talked a little bit about the fortress uh, was built in Zion, is a mighty fortress. People, Jebusite, they, they were ruling that in that place and they thought, you know, this is such a great fortress. The blind and the lame can keep David out. But that's not the case. They didn't realize that God was with him. So he took over that city and his um, authority and his, his love for God just continued to, 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 grow, to grow from that. You know, they, he did not have to um, send out messages throughout the land to say that I am now king. You know, he didn't have to send messages out to the neighboring country to say, I am now the king of Israel, watch out for me. Because his love for God it was so strong and his authority is so strong that people actually recognize it from him recognize that he is now the king of Israel. Uh, Because I think in verse uh, 11, where the neighboring king of Tyre recognized that and sent his own laborers and materials to build a palace for David. That's when, if we go to verse 12, that's that's when David knew that God had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people in Israel. So in the beginning, David had confirmation from the people. But now, this is when he can be comforted because now he realized he has confirmation from God. And it's it's an important note for us to to pay attention to because he got confirmation from the people, but he kept doing what he was supposed to do. And finally now, he got confirmation from God. Uh, And it was important for David because of his heart. His heart is after God and he only wants to do God's will. Um, as we move a little bit further down uh, the end of the chapter, it's, um, so after David established his kingdom and is recognized by other people and God confirmed it, what do you know? The old enemy came back. In verse 17, you know, the Philistines went up in full force because, because they heard David had been anointed king over Israel. You know, this, I, I find it really interesting when I read this because this is, this is the same enemy the same armies that got a courtside side seat of the one-sided beatdown, right? We all know the story of Goliath. It lasted, what, two minutes? One? I mean, how long does it take to throw a little rock and go up and chop someone's head? Two and a half, two minutes. I mean, that's incredible. And then the Philistine ran, that's, but, see, it's a reminder for us that when we feel that we have reached our destiny, when we feel that we receive the favor and the blessing from God, the enemies still come back. And in this, it's a reminder for us that they'll come back, not just come back, but they come back in full force. And they come back, they bring their gods and the idols with them to try to fight David because they do not want this to happen. They do not want David to fulfill his destiny. It's the same thing with us. When we feel like we've stepped into our calling or our destiny or received the blessing that we got from God, whether it's relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's kids, whether it's job or finance, They won't rest. They will not rest. So remember that. But David, he kept his focus on God because of his love for God was so strong. Nothing can deter his love for God. He defeated them not once, but twice. And at that place, he called it Baal Perizim. Uh, The literal translation is Lord of the Breakthrough because the Philistine force was so strong that he broke through their force. And and uh, but for me, as I read this. In my mind, I feel like you should name this, this is the place where my one true God beat up your many fake gods because the Philistines just ran off and left their gods behind because it's not really God, right? Um, I think differently. So um, after, so anyway, after all that, David, you know, he, he, uh, this is the next chapter. You, you guys don't need to go there. But in 2 uh, Samuel chapter 6, he proceeded to go on to the next task because he knew what he wanted to do. He went to bring back the ark back to Jerusalem. Um, so the theme of this is David was prepared for this moment. He was ready. He kept his focus. More, actually, more appropriately, he kept his heart on God. And again, it's a reminder for us to always keep our focus on God, you know, especially, especially after we receive the blessing or the favor or we step into the things that God has for us. Because things does not get easier. It's not a downhill road. It's more fun, but it's not easier. So, um, how does this, David as a king, has to do with the series of After God's Heart. You know, David, uh, not David, God knew that David would live his life through his love for God. Because David, only a man who's led by his love for God not his own stubbornness, would be able to live in peace, right? When his older brothers, the people that he looked up to when he was a boy, to accuse him him of being uh, conceited and having a wicked heart. And only a man who's led by his love for the Lord, not his own reasoning to not understand why someone has not already cut down Goliath, the uncircumcised Philistine, Right, uncircumcised Philistines that defy the armies of the living God. Only a man who's led by his love for the Lord, not in his own strength, would confidently try to cut down Goliath, someone who's twice his size. And only David, a man who's led by his love for the Lord, not his own personal agenda, would be able to not kill Saul as he was being hunted like an animal, living in caves, running from one place to the other. And only David, a man who's led by his love for the Lord, not his own abilities, would be able to wait 22 years. 22 years to receive what is rightfully his. I mean, 22 years. Think about that. And only a man who's led by his love for the Lord, not his own self-righteousness, that would not celebrate when he finally reached his destiny. And David, only a man who's led by his love for the Lord, not his own personal goals, would rule as a king like he's been doing it for years. And um, what's even more amazing is I think David, I believe that David knew, not David, I think God knew that David would only be able to live out the very first part of that greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's pretty incredible. God gave us one commandment, And he's okay with David just living out that very first part. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Because if he truly lived out the rest of the commandment, Bathsheba would not happen, right? It wouldn't be his wife. However, David, the amazing thing about that is he lived out that love the Lord your God with all your heart to the fullest measure possible of his heart, of everything in his heart. Loving God with all of his heart. And I, even, I want to make the case that through um, King David's life, he's, um, I mentioned that before, you know, he's happy with us only satisfying that first part of the great commandment. Um, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, it's, it's more important than wisdom or knowledge or education. Uh, as if, you know, he, he's not concerned with what we can do. Not what we know how to do, or not what we're capable of doing. He just wants our heart. Because using wisdom as an example, wisdom is great, but it does not help us to have God's heart. Look at using Solomon. Perfect example, right? The wisest man that's ever lived. He, his wisdom brought him peace, prosperity, uh, you know, land, wealth, what have you. Um, but it didn't end well for Solomon. Solomon. 1 Kings it said as Solomon grew old his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father has been now Solomon did many 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 incredible things but that is how he will be remembered and that's why it's important to have God's heart because we desire for us. To, to have God's heart. We don't want to be known as the people that can do great things, the people who is generous, the people that we can do all these great charity events, or the people who has this incredible gifting, all these people that, you know, if I can make you say, we don't want to be known as people that provide healing, or um, nice people, or do a nice service. We want to be known as the people, first and foremost, to have our hearts fully, completely devoted to God. That's what we want to be known at. And, and don't, you know, don't get me wrong, because when we love God with all of our hearts, those things will happen. It needs to be the foundation for what we do, because when we love God with all of our hearts, we will want to reach out to the poor. We will want to work with the foster kids. We will want to work with the widows. We will want to reach out to the fatherless. We will want to advance his kingdom. But it needs to start from that foundation. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Um, when we do that, it will lead us to do things that most people would not do. It will lead us to do things that most people could not do. Or will lead us to do things that most people have no desire to do. And that's where we need to stop because we don't want to do those things out of sympathy or pity or, if I may say, the right thing to do because we want to do it from a place of loving God with all of our hearts and He will be the one that lead us to do what he's calling us to do. Um, Jesus actually used that as an example in the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think we all know that parable, right? Um, That's where a man was robbed, beaten up, left on the street to die, a bunch of different people walking through, just ignore him, but the Samaritan came, picked him up, fixed him up, made him feel well. Um, But the parable actually started a few verses before that actual story. In, in Luke 10, verse 25 to 27, I'm going to paraphrase this for you guys. So one of the experts of the law stood up to test Jesus and asked him, hey, what's the inheritance? Um, what must I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And this uh, expert of the law answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as well. And then right after that, Jesus went into the story of the parable because he wants us to know to do this thing right here, as a Samaritan, you need to realize what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Because without that, you would not be able to do this. So, um, why should we love God with all of our hearts? You know, this, this um, I was hesitant a little bit when I put this question up because there's a room full of Christians in here. And uh, it may seem like a silly question, but However, before we really, really answer that question honestly to ourselves, I do want to list some of the reasons why we will want to love God with all of our hearts. Um, First and foremost, Jesus is our king. He's the ideal king. He's the perfect king. He suffers for his people. He suffers with his people. He died for his people. He loves his people. He redeems his people. He knows his people by name. There's no other leader ever, past, present, future, ever, can do all those things. He's the perfect king for us. And he loves us. Go to Isaiah 43.1. It said, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That's the kind of leader, the kind of king that we want to love. Um, The next thing is when we love God with all of our hearts. Reading scriptures will be like seeing things that come alive from a place of familiarity. It's like deja vu. It's like A dream that you're seeing happening. It's like watching a movie first and then reading a book. It's like spending time so much, spending so much time with the one that you love, and then that person goes away and sends you a letter. And as you read that letter about himself, as you read it, you realize, oh, yeah, I know. Because I know you. Because I love you. So the Bible just brings confirmation and clarity when we love God with all of our hearts. Because the Bible becomes a collection of letters. Letters of love from our Father. I mean, it may be difficult to know because how many of us actually receive letters of love from our earthly Father? Not too many? That's why it's so hard to see. Because it's a collection of love letters. It's a collection of encouragement letters. Affirmation letters, motivation letters. It's challenge. It allows to challenge us. And when we see Scripture as they were meant for each of us, not through someone else's interpretations. Um, you know using Isaiah 54, verse nine and 10 as an example, I said, "So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed," says the Lord, who has compassion on you. You know it's a great couple of verses <clears throat> that talk about God's love. But if I may say this, and, and it's, it may sound like blasphemy, but it's not. But after you read it for so long, the impact is a little bit minimized. And after you hear it you so often, the impact is a little bit minimized. But when you love God with all of your heart, the translation is not what you see anymore. It's, it's like I'll always forgive you. I'll always love you no matter what. I'll never reject you. Even if you turn your back on me, I will still love you. I love you more than you think. I love you more than you know. I love you more than you can ever imagine possible. That's what it means. And that's what it should mean to us when we love God with all of our hearts. It's no longer a poem. Throw all the genre aside. apologize to all the theology students. I am one too, so there's genre, there's type of stories. Throw all that aside. It's a love letter from God. That's how we should read it so that we can know him more, know that he loves us. Um, you know, as scripture comes alive, as scriptures come alive, we will, we will realize our dependence on him. We will realize that our existence, existence is because of him. And our creation was for him. Our past, present, future is already dictated by him. You know, we, it's so freeing because we will not feel the need to fit in because of peer pressure. We will not feel the need to be unique so we can stand out. We just love God with all of our hearts and let him lead us because God already knows where he's taking us. In Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He he already knows where he's taking us. But if we read this from a place of knowing God, of loving him with everything that we are, loving him with all of our heart, it would be like I held you from the very beginning of time. I held you even before you were born. I was there on your first day, I was there when you first took the first step. I was there when you learned how to ride your bike. I was there on your first day of school. I was there when you felt alone. I was there when you feel rejected. You know, I was there when you um, felt lost at seas. I was there when you turned your back again on me. I was there when you feel uh, down and rejected, and guilt, and ashamed and disappointed. But I was also there when you turned back toward me. You know, I was there on your wedding day. I was there when you held your firstborn in your arms. Um, I was there when you find joy, happiness, and gladness. And I will be there always. In the days to come, the weeks to come, the years to come, I will always be there. Because I will know what's going to happen. That's what it's like when we read it. It's no longer just a letter. It's not just a letter from somebody, it's a letter from the person that you love, that you love so much that he knows everything that we've gone through. It's, and it's also an incredible feeling. It's very freeing when we love God with all of our hearts. It's, it's not just a freedom that we typically know, it's a divine freedom because we're free from having to live or act, or talk, or behave in a certain way, we're not led, we would no longer be led by custom, or culture, or our upbringing, or how we're supposed to do. Because we're led by God's heart when we love Him, when we seek Him, or when we follow Him. Because in Romans 5, 5, it said God's love has been poured out into our heart through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. See, His heart will lead us on how to live, how to act, how to behave, how to see others, how to pray for others, how to follow, how to lead, how to dream. See, having God's heart will allow us to do things and go places that we've never been or just to do things that we've never done before. For example, marriage, getting married. A lot of times we're married for the first time, we don't know what to do, but if we have God's in our heart, we will know what to do because He will lead us. Same thing with parenting. If you're parenting, if you allow God to come into our heart and as we seek Him and love Him, He will lead us. He will, let, he will show us when to be strong, when to be soft, when to seek for help, when to be honest, when to be real. He will lead us through all seasons of life. Every single one of them. That's when we know that we're never alone. We don't have to be strong in ourselves. Just let Him lead us. Because once as we love Him with everything. It's, you don't have to worry about the things that you have to do. How are you going to do them? Because God will show us how. Um, I can go on and on. But those are just some of the reasons why we want to love God with all of our hearts because that's what He wants. Love Him with all of our hearts. Not some, not most, but all of it. Not love I will love God when I'm... It's not I will love God with all of my heart when I'm married. It's not when I will have kids or not when my kids will be older or not when my financial situation will change or it's when... I don't know. Whatever. But he just wants us to love him right now. Just love me with all of your heart. That's what he wants. Right now. The... And you know, it's when the commandments say, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. It's not, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. He wants that deep, passionate love. The kind of death-defying love. The kind of things that you see in the Middle East where you look death in the eye and you say, I will love my Lord, my God, with all of my heart. It's the kind of love where you have an aching feeling where you're away from His presence. You miss it. It's the kind of love where you, I would sacrifice my only son like Abraham kind of love. It's the kind of love where you've never loved anything or anybody before or ever after. That's the kind of love that he's seeking from us because he is our God. It's because he loves us so much. He loves us more than we could ever imagine possible. Would ever know or would never even think that was possible because he is zealous for our love. He does not want to yield his glory. He does not want to yield his love to anyone or anything else because he wants it, because he loves us so much. Um, You know, David was called by God through Samuel to be uh, as a man after God's own heart. The only man in the Bible to be called as such. However, you know, we can all be a man after God's own heart. We can all be a woman after God's own heart. It can be done just by following the examples of David's life and his love for God. Love God with all of your heart. Stay there. Don't move on. Don't try to do anything else. Just stay there until you can answer that question. The question I listed earlier. L- Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. You know, David, we all know that David had many faults. But one thing that we cannot deny is he loved God with all of his heart. And you know, he knew and he trusted in his destiny it's not because God anointed him to be king of Israel, yes, but it was because he had God's heart. He trusted in him. He loved him. You know, if, if you are anointed as king and probably 15 years later, you're probably going to want to know when it's going to happen, right? For me, maybe two years later, I'm going to want to know when it's going to happen. For you, some of you guys, maybe 10, maybe 15. For David, it took a little bit longer, but because of his love for God was unwavering. Um, and because of his love for God, it it enabled David to live a purposeful life. He knew where he was going. He was not afraid of where where his life is leading him. And he knew where, and even though he struggled at times, but David always knew that God was with him, no matter how bad things got. Yeah, we talked about he waited for a long time, You know, he didn't take matters into his own hand to accomplish what was spoken over him. You know, look at... um, Let's look at David's love as an example for us. You know, his love for God carrying him through the lows and the highs, the valleys and the mountaintops of his life. Let our love for God be the same for us. I... um, Before I, I hand this over to Chris to close the meeting... As I was preparing for this, I really felt there was like two groups of people that we want to pray for, and after all, we're going to have uh, people in the ministry team up here to pray for you guys. But the first group is, is for those who are currently going through a dry season. Or, or, you know, you feel like you're in the wilderness, and you you still trusting for the things to come. I want to pray for two things for you guys. One is um, one is to don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed of the dry season that you're in, and two. It just pray for just an increase of strength and bonus, just to, just to stay resolute and steadfast in your love for God. So you can be prepared, so you can be ready, like David was. So when you step into your destiny, you knew you will know exactly what to do. You're not going to let the things, the favor and the blessing that guys bring into you or the breakthrough will distract you, take you off course. Um, that's one And the second group of people is I, um, I, I just feel like to pray for is um, those who just recently received favor and blessing from God, or who just received, recently received breakthrough. We want to just come and stand with you and pray for you, so then your focus will remain on God. your heart will remain with him, your love will increase for him. And those are the two groups of people that I, I really have on my heart to pray for. Um, So keep your eyes, keep our eyes on Jesus. Love Him, love Him with all of our hearts. Um, I'm going to close and pray, and then, um, dear Father, I um, actually before I pray, um, you know, if anyone's visiting, uh, or has been coming here for a while, and you feel like you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you feel like what I've shared today of the incredible His love, His incredible love for us, if you want to experience that. I would love to pray with you to accept Jesus into your heart. Uh, We're not asking you to become a member of this church, but we just want to invite you to come in and join with us. Join in and experiencing the love that God has for us. Um, You can just stay where you are, just raise your hand, and I'll lead you in a prayer quietly in your heart. If anyone here? Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just want to thank you for today, God. We just thank you for who you are. Just thank you for the time of worship as, you're, as you were with us, as you speak to us, your presence was for us. We love you, Lord. I just pray that as we move from here, from today, that our love for you will grow more and more, God. I just ask that in the name of Jesus that you will just come and reveal more of who you are to us, Lord. Just allow us to see you more. See more of your love Your compassion for us. I just ask right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, just come and pull out God's heart onto our hearts, Lord. Just allow us to experience more of what you have for us. If we can humbly just ask for more, God, just more of what you have for us. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you, Lord Jesus. And I pray to all these wonderful things in your name. Amen.
0: Hey, Hugh. Thanks. That was a great word. I said uh, we actually should have Hugh up sometime to share his testimony. I don't think people realize where he grew up, his father, uh, you know, and coming across here as a child, alone, on a boat, as a refugee, and just some of the challenges that he's gone through and just the reality of what he shared. It, It wasn't, you know, theory. You know, just seeing what how God's... You know, worked out his calling and just you know, just seeing Hugh's life and just working through, just like David, just putting a heart after God and just seeing God's transforming power in his life. So I think we should do that sometime. It's a really interesting story. So as I said, uh, we'll have a time of um, ministry at the end. I think for the folks um, who would like Hugh and Vanessa, the stuff that Hugh was sharing. Uh, Just come to the right, I just wanted to share a quick testimony, and what I'm about to do might look a bit awkward, but you'll see why. These are two pairs of shoes, if you didn't realize, and they're two size 12 pairs of shoes. Pretty big, huh? But I had a problem. Only one of my feet actually fits one of these shoes. My one foot's 12, and the other one is, well, was not 12. And so whenever I went shopping for shoes, one fit and one didn't fit. I was like, do I get 11 and a half or do I get 12? And then sometimes, you know, some things just don't really work when they are not the right size. And the other, a few weeks ago, I was sitting there before church, uh, I think I was actually leading that day, and I had my feet up, and I was looking at it, and I'm you know, watching the, you know, the, the gap, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to pray. I'm just, you know, it didn't hurt. There was no pain. There was not like I had a problem with it. It was just awkward. You know, the shoes just never not <laughs> really fit well. And so I came in, and I thought, let me pick a couple of young guys who don't mind touching smelly feet, and um, got the guys to pray, and now I have two size 12 feet, so... So, you know, God is good. I mean, we've seen legs grow. We've seen that kind of stuff. But I was like, I wasn't really having pain from it. And I just sat there like, this could be a good day. You know? And so it was just, yeah, it was pretty fascinating. So um, what I was thinking today is this. You know, I was looking through Acts 10:38. It says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know what? It doesn't we don't have to have a, a a real theological reason to get healed by God. Jesus healed all. And if my two feet can be healed where I really didn't need it, it just helped. I'm pretty glad it they were actually. But anybody struggling with just you got legs out of place or just whatever let's just stand with you and pray with you today sometimes uh, a sign of it is can be you know lower back pain with one of the hips hurting is often sometimes a sign that uh, something's out of shape and doesn't mean always that one leg is literally shorter it might mean just that your hips are out of alignment and we pray for just realigning and that kind of stuff so cool story but yeah so we do believe in miracles we do believe God heals Uh, Again, Hugh, just thank you. Let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus this week. Let's keep on trusting for breakthroughs. Let's keep on praying and looking out for each other. Yeah, so this is great. So, Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you that you're with us. You're always with us. You're always watching over us. And we just commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man. Yes, you're on the ministry team. You're going to come up and, yeah, have a great Sunday.